me again. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, hey, I have some amazing news for this new year. Some, um, I don't know, it might take you all by surprise. I know it kind of took me by surprise, but good news. I'm expecting, yes, I am expecting. Yes, it's, it's kind of a shock. It's a little bit of a surprise, and I want to explain how this has come to pass. Um, last week, Cliff was like, dude, can you please preach on a message about like where we've been as a church and where we're going? And I was like, yes, I will totally do that. So I set off and, you know, the snow globe effect happened over Seattle, which was so awesome. <laughs> and I got snug in my little office at home and I wrote this amazing message. And then on Wednesday night, the Lord was like, guess what? That's not the message you're supposed to preach. <laughs> and surprise, surprise, I closed that tab. I closed all of my research tabs. And Thursday morning, I reopened my laptop and began again. What am I expecting? I am expecting that one of you is the reason that I, am, I had rewritten this message or somebody online is listening right now and you are the reason why I had to start all over again on Thursday morning. So that is what I am expecting. I am expecting good news to hear from one of you who says, dude, I am the person that this message was written for, okay? So you're probably... Promise me you're going to hit me back with a reply and let me know if it was you, okay? Because I've been thinking about you. <laughs> um, I actually got to write the message Thursday, and then I spent um, three hours Friday morning at Ed's deathbed, basically. I didn't know he was going to peace out that night. I thought maybe he just was in that uh, quiet interlude period before you step out. Um, and as it turns out, that was the day he died. And so I, f I think he was my first audience for this message. I ran it by him and um, he, yeah, there, <laughs> he didn't have much to say, but I felt like somebody here could use a message like this. And why is that? Why are we even talking about Christmas stories when we've kind of moved on, right? We're here in the new year, it's 2022, and we have so much hope moving forward and looking ahead. Christmas, it was only a week ago, but it still seems like it was a long time ago. But the reason I wanted to speak on this message is because of what happened in the stable, represented by this little crate here, the stable, and the star. Much of our lives, Christians, are spent between the star and the stable. We wait for promises that God has given us and the hope that we have when we see things like a star. But the journey to the stable takes a long time. The journey to a fulfilled promise can often take so much time. And so what I wanted to do today was focus on how do you live in that space between the star and the stable? Between the time God has promised you something or laid it on your heart and between the time you see that thing fulfilled, much time is spent in that, in our lives, waiting, right? I think you're all nodding along. 
it's too dark for me to actually tell. But so uh, Christmas Eve was just a week ago, and we here at Arbor celebrated the stable and everything that was there. At Arbor, if you were there on Christmas Eve, you saw quite a unique kind of stable. At our stable, we had a zebra, and we had a chicken, and we had a lion. (laughs) It, It was a unique kind of stable. But what was important about the stable was that there was a baby there. And the baby represented the promise fulfilled, okay? That was God's promise had been fulfilled to his people that there would be a Messiah. Hundreds and hundreds of years of prophecies led up to that moment. And it was indicated, first indicated, by a a star shining in the sky, which took the attention of wise men or magi from the east. Um, This promise that he kept was a promise that we would be saved from sin, that we would have even a shot at peace, that God himself was back in the neighborhood, walking among us, teaching us with an audible voice showing us embodied ministry, how to love out loud, showing us how to live. So it also meant that the physical separation between he and we that had been established in the Garden of Eden, that was no longer. There was no longer that physical separation any longer. So this stable meant a lot, right? Big promise fulfilled. And the star was indicating that. This is what scripture says about the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Well, when King Herod heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. So gathering all together the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired, where is this Messiah to be born? Familiar, familiar story, is it not? Let me first tell you who these magi are. As familiar as you may be with the story, I do want to set the context. Who were the magi? Most likely, scholars say that the magi came from Persia or Babylonia, which is the far east. Um, In the Middle Eastern world, magi were trusted advisors to the king. They were learned men. They knew everything about history and mathematics and astronomy, astrology, dream interpretation, history, and even alchemy, which is like, isn't alchemy like the ability to turn something into gold? (laughs) Which is amazing, right? Or maybe it was just like medicine. Um, they are mentioned in scripture in the book of Daniel. In, in 604 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar um, had a disturbing dream. You may recall this. And he calls together all the wise men or the magi. And he says, tell me what this dream meant. No one was able to discern the dream 
And so he then called forth Daniel, who did interpret the dream and get a humongous job promotion. He was made prime minister um, at that point. So that is the first mention of the Magi that we have in scripture. Scholars believe that in the time of Daniel, he, Daniel, who was a, he, he was one of God's people. He was an Israelite who was taken captive in Babylon, that he then imparted his culture, his, his beliefs. His, he would have then showed like what prophecies about the Messiah were to come. And so all the people in the East then would be familiar with that, right? Because they're scholars, they're reading, they're learning, and then they would know what to look for when this Messiah came. So I like thinking about that backstory because I feel like they knew enough to know that when the star appeared, they knew what it meant. They knew what it meant. You can um, fall down bunches of rabbit holes <laughs> if you want, if you want to figure out, like I kind of wanted to know, what do, you, what do researchers say was the star of Bethlehem? Like I wanted to know more about that and so spent way too much time <laughs> figuring out stuff like that. However, I wanted to draw out three really important things about this story for you and not fall down rabbit holes. I wanted to talk about that space between the star and the stable. What can we learn about living in that space from the story? The first one, between a promise given and a promise fulfilled? How do we live there in the space between the star and the stable? How do we stay steadfast in our faith or in our integrity? What do we do when we haven't seen the promise fulfilled yet? Some of you may be waiting for healing. Some may be waiting for a spouse. Some are waiting for sobriety or stability. Sometimes we're waiting a long time for children to come into our family. And sometimes we're waiting for children to come back to our family. This is life between the star and the stable. Promise given, promise fulfilled. There's a lot of time and space there. How do we do that with integrity and faith? First lesson that I pulled from Going between the star and the stable is going to take you longer than you expect, <laughs> okay? All those hopes that I just, just mentioned there that we all might be holding, sometimes the span of time takes far longer than we ever had imagined. According to scholars, the Magi and their entourage could have taken quite some time, maybe between two months to 18 months to get there. Um, so while the distance may not look, like I Google mapped it too, I was like, how far is it between Babylon and Jerusalem? And it's deceiving because as the crow flies, it could take you 127 days to walk it. But if you're also moving in a group and you're, you've got animals to water and feed and you've got trade routes to to respect and you have a desert to avoid, <laughs> it can take you quite some time. So my idea is like, it would take you time to notice a star, right? To calculate it, measure it, 
talk with your, your homies about like, what do you think it means? What, what is going on here? And then you send out a group text to your entourage and you're like, are you in? Can you do this? We're leaving on Monday. And everybody's like organizing things with their family, right? And then you set out for the journey. So it took, we know, this is a spoiler alert, we do know that King Herod at some point in the story asks for all the baby boys under two years old to be murdered because he's so afraid that uh, the Messiah is going to take his place on the throne. So we do know that King Herod, according to his calculations, anything in the two-year span meant that the baby was born. So imagine they see a star, they set out on the route, potentially up to two years long. That's a long time to be going. Um, So they are not the first people who have waited for a promise fulfilled in scripture. Um, Noah, a hundred years between the board and the boat. Abraham, 25 years between the covenant and the kid. Rebecca, 20 years to get pregnant. I'm thinking that's not even biologically possible sometimes, but in God's economy, that is true. Simeon spent decades before he saw the Messiah. And David, this is interesting, he was anointed king, and then 15 years later, he was able to take his place on the throne. These all, all these stories indicate tons of time. I don't think these people half expected the time it would take between a promise given and a promise fulfilled. Huge chunks of personal time. Likewise, in our own lives, we know that we have waited a long time for some of those things that I mentioned. Children, healing, sobriety, stability, Time passes, maybe even years, and your biological clock is ticking, right? Patience is waning. We're looking to the star, we look to the hope, but sometimes we lose sight of it and our grip loosens on our hope. Did you know that even in the Magi story, the star disappeared from sight? It did. And that leads us to our next truth in this story. The path between the star and the stable might be tougher than you expect. You may not have known, you may not have thought maybe that the star or your hope would disappear on your journey. And I'm not sure that it even was on the first day of daylight when you couldn't see stars in the sky. I don't think that's when the Magi lost hope. But at some point along the way, they did have to stop and ask for directions, right? So it wasn't like the first day that they were impatient. It was probably morning after morning, they were like, we've lost it. (laughs) We can't see it anymore. Now what do we do? And so like a group project, they got together, they made a group decision, they decided to stop for directions. In this challenge, they're gonna go over to the palace of King Herod and ask, where is the king of the Jews? We followed his star. When King Herod heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. And they said to him, 
It's in Bethlehem of Judea. That's what's written by the prophets. Then Herod secretly called for the magi, determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, hey, go search for that child. Let me know when you found him, because I want to worship him. That was a lie. And after hearing that, they went on their way. Stopping for directions seemed like a good idea at the time. It made sense that there would be a baby king located near the palace, right? And yet, there was none to be found. And whoops, <laughs> did they know that one of King Herod's favorite titles for himself was King of the Jews? Yeah, I don't think that that like, helped him be all for the Messiah at that point. I think, in fact, it set his heart against it. Nobody was going to take my title. So now the Magi have an angry king to contend with. They have an invisible star. They have a lost Messiah somewhere out there. They don't know where it is. And then there's going to be an edict for all the male children to be slaughtered. Sometimes the path between the star and the stable is tougher than you'd think. It went from bad to worse. But it's not all bad news, this journey. The third point I want to draw your attention to is that journeying between the star and the stable is better done with others. It is better done with others. Scholars believe that there weren't necessarily three wise men. I think that's like the legend that we've all, like the urban legend that we've carried around. We know that there were three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and we all think they had their one little treasure packet apiece, but that's not necessarily true. Um, we do know it was plural. There was more than one wise man, so let's say there were two. But they also would need an entourage, right? Because these guys had a status that meant they probably weren't the ones watering the camels and fixing food over the Coleman stove at night on their journey. So let's say there were two. There also could be a dozen, right? Because if you were a magi in the East and you saw such a thing, wouldn't like you all want to participate in going to find it, right? So let's say there was a group, it's a group project. I think some of us have been on enough road trips to know how good this is. <laughs> uh, you are gonna want somebody who's able to lift your spirits on a road trip and lift your luggage. <laughs> Someone who's got the good snacks and knows where the great Starbucks is on the way, right? Someone who could help you navigate a road or help you change a flat tire. Road trips are better done with others. And metaphorically, this is true on a faith journey as well. If you are journeying, let's say, between the star and the stable, looking for sobriety, how important is it to have somebody value that for you and to say, yes, I agree. Sobriety is awesome. It's an awesome goal. You're doing great. Keep going. Or for them to say, hey, I know you want a family. I'm going to do what I can to introduce you to my best friends. 
and see if you can get a family. Or if you're hoping for stability and someone is just there to bring you coffee in the morning and encouragement and pray over you, right? These things, these journeys are better done with others. They also are better done when somebody can help you when you're lost. And I think that one of the traits you're gonna want in a companion for the road is that when you're lost, they're gonna use the same map that you do, okay? So, so hear me for a second. If I'm lost, let's say I went on a road trip this weekend in the snow globe of Seattle <laughs> and I didn't check my, my weather app or I didn't tune into Fox 13 to see Abby Oconee and her <laughs> forecast. Or if I uh, didn't check my snow tires, I didn't pack a, you know, I didn't pack gloves or a coat or a hat in my car. And let's say I wanted to go over the pass. I'm going to want somebody in the car with me who can help me reroute or who can help me stay in that stranded position for a while if I'm getting trapped on the, on the, on the pass. I'm going to want someone who can refer me back to the map, same map, know where I'm going, value the destination, and help get me there, right? Staying in the word of God is the map. I want you guys to think about this faith journey and the value of God's word in it. It can help you navigate for sure. Like if you get into a tricky spot, God's word can help encourage you also, right? It can help you figure out, okay, that plan didn't work, that route, so let's reroute a different way. What are our options? So traveling with someone, important. Using the same map, very important. The Magi knew the prophecies, remember that. And they knew the background context to the star. They knew what this meant. Its appearance out of the blue was a signal that all of the promises were, uh, regarding the Messiah were about to unfold and to happen. And they collaborated together to make a plan to make this work, to go find it. Those people who are on the journey with you and know God's plan for your life can encourage you much the same way. They see signals that like, hey, it's about to happen, keep going, right? So listen to their response when they finally saw the star reappear. I had said it, it was invisible for a second. They got into hot water with the palace and they didn't know what to do, asking directions. But then the star reappeared. Hallelujah. After hearing the king, they went on their way and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went on ahead of them until it came to a stop over the place where the child was to be found. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, exceeding joy. All of them together seeing God's promise fulfilled. It was the end of their journey that had just begun with a promise and a star. 
Centuries of prophecies now are fulfilled in their sight. Can you even fathom how much high-fiving was happening here (laughs) at this place? They were like, yes, we did it. Yes, it happened. So many happy tears. So much socially undistant hugging is happening here, right? I think you've probably experienced something like this before, right? Maybe you have rung the, e- the bell at the end of a chemo treatment. <laughs> Maybe you've held a long-awaited baby. Maybe you've watched a groom weep as he saw his bride approaching. Maybe you've made it a whole year sober. Maybe your person was baptized and you felt like they have come to the stable with me. (laughs) So much exceeding joy, right? We have seen those moments. We have tasted these. This is what it felt like, even in part, to feel like the Messiah finally had come. This is the good stuff, you guys, (laughs) right? Exceeding joy. This is the response from the Magi. They came inside. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they fell down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. It feels like a simple response for such a big promise given, right? Like the star they followed to the stable, promise fulfilled. And their response, to worship and give. The Magi fall down and worship Jesus and give him the best that they have. Our response is the same. We see stars, promises from God. We hold on to those and we follow them all the way to the stable. A promise fulfilled. And we worship and we give in response. God's goodness in our lives compels us to this response to worship and give back. It's not transactional, like, hey, so like, God, when you do the thing, then I'm gonna worship you, or and then I'm gonna give. It's not, like, there's no transaction. This is not on you here, like, to say, to control, I'm only gonna worship you, give you thanks, and give if you do this thing for me. Or I'll wait until you're done with the promise, then I'll do those things, right? That's not, that's not it. We're in relationship with a loving, good God who gives us gifts all the time, promises that are fulfilled all the time that some we don't even see, right? Some invisible things that we have also forgotten to give thanks for. So our lives are then spent pouring ourselves back out, loving him out loud again. How do we worship him? We do it through music for sure, but also some of you are artists and you create art, you write words, you're visual, you're you're baking. (laughs) I see you, you artists. You also are serving him through volunteering, right? And you are giving hospitality to others and ministry to others. You're caring for his image bearers. That is a way to be giving back and worship. 
We also give of resources. We give of ourselves, our time, our attention, our love for others. We're lavishly pouring those out in deepest gratitude. So, okay, a question for you. Do you think the Magi were ever the same after this experience? (laughs) Are we ever the same after an experience of seeing God fulfill his promises in our lives? No, totally not. Would we ever want to be the same? No, no, we don't. But this morning, I wanna ask a couple of questions. I told you I was expecting, right? (laughs) So, I'm expecting that someone here is listening to this and they're thinking, I just, needed, I just needed to hear this. Like, it's a pretty simple message. Hoping in a promise that God's given me and having endurance to make it to the end. So for those of you who are listening to this and you think, I haven't gotten to the stable yet and I'm exhausted. <laughs> I am exhausted. I want to just tell you, keep going. (laughs) If you haven't heard this lately, I want you to know, I want you to keep going. Okay, don't stop. You're almost there. I want to also ask you a question. If you're super exhausted, are you doing this with others? Are, Are you in a group? This sounds like a plug for groups, which I'm not like advertising here. I'm just saying the road here is better done with others, okay? And it could be a group, it could be a mentor, it could be a friend. You need to find yourself in community because this path is really hard when done alone. So find someone to do the journey with. And then also, check your map. Have you put the map away? Have you not been in God's word to know like what encouragement he might have for you during this time? Or what like redirects he might have? He might want to reroute you a little bit. And that could be found in his word. So I want you to grab your map this year. Like, okay, it's New Year's. Get in relationships, get in community, get in the word. Okay, so that's if you're in between here and you're exhausted and you don't know if you're gonna make it to the stable. But there's other people here who are at the stable (laughs) and you are testimony bearers to God's faithfulness. You have seen him show up for you. You have seen him provide for your needs. You have seen him bring the prodigal home. You have held that baby, the long-awaited baby. You have met the spouse of your dreams, and you are not lonely anymore. You have rung the bell at the end of the chemo treatment, okay? I have a question for you as well. I want to ask you, if you are here and you've already reached the stable, are you helping others get there? Do you feel like that was just for you? (laughs) You need to be pulling others along. You need to be like going to the coffee station and pulling out and refreshing the journey, the people who are on the journey right now. Okay, this wasn't meant for you just to, to keep here. You need to like be helping others get to the stable as well.
think though, for all of us, we can skip to the good part. <laughs> I tried to think of that little that, uh, thing that people are doing. The young people on the socials, they, they talk about skipping to the good part, right? So imagine you're at the stable, you have gotten your promise fulfilled and you want to be helping others, but you also feel like it's time to worship and give, right? And this would be such a great time to pass an offering bucket, but I'm totally not going to do that. <laughs> but I wanted to provide a space here that we are going to be able to worship and give back. Maybe last couple of years, life has been a whirlwind, right? You know that God has provided for your needs and he's met you at the stable and he's had promises fulfilled. But maybe life has just been too crazy for you to take the time to really focus on worshiping and giving back. This time, this closing time on this, our first Sunday back for the new year, I want us to spend in, in worship so that we can have that posture of, of gratitude for the promises given. And um, if this message was for you, I'd also love to hear that later on too. Thanks, Aiden.